Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We're going to begin a series today titled The Source. Uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the source of everything good in our lives. Uh, we learned lessons in Haiti uh, when I was down there just recently. Um, our whole group experienced this lesson pretty straightforward. Uh, for example, um, if you let the generator run out of fuel, there is no power. It's pretty profound, isn't it? It was actually done for us. They, they, they actually gave us that demonstration because they per- forgot to put fuel in the generator. So there's no air conditioning or lights or anything else. And that meant also there's no water for the showers because the pump quit working. Um, so in order to keep the generator running, you've got to put fuel in it. At some level, there is a source for the power, and it is the generator, but it requires fuel to run, okay? If the source is flawed in some way, the end result is compromised. Well, fortunately for us, our source has no flaws. There is no fuel needed for our source to be effective. Paul, speaking to the people at Athens, uh, said this in Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae these words, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him. And for him. Jesus is the source of everything for all people, whether they believe in him or not. Everything we do as followers of Jesus must flow from the source. Jesus is our source. Everything good in our lives can trace its origin back to the source, Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to take a look at a passage of scripture from the book of Revelation. Okay, And honestly, we aren't completely sure when the events that we're going to read about take place or took place or are going to take place, but there's some powerful truths contained in this passage that should give us power and strength for the journey that we walk. So let's read Revelation 12, 7 through 12. And as we read it, keep in mind that it, it is a vision that John had while on the Isle of Patmos, while he's exiled on the Isle of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for his testimony about Jesus. So Revelation 12, 7. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. The great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. 
the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as that they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will, terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. And here are some potential thoughts on interpretation of those verses. Many scholars have spent years studying these verses, and there are a few thoughts as to what these verses mean and when the events will take place. Keep in mind that in most Old Testament prophetic books, and this is not Old Testament prophetic, but it reads often like one. There were both a contemporary and a future fulfillment of the prophecies. We see that throughout the history of Israel. The prophets had a message for the people of their day, but they often had future fulfillment in mind as well. Some consider these verses to describe warfare in the ancient past. Others think that Satan's fall from earth took place at Jesus' resurrection or his ascension, and that the 1260 days are symbolic way of referring to the time between Christ's first and second comings. Still others say that Satan's defeat will occur in the middle of a literal seven-year tribulation period, following the rapture of the church and preceding the second coming of Christ and the beginning of Christ's 1,000-year reign. Regardless of the interpretation, God's clear teaching is that Christ is victorious. Satan has already been defeated because of Christ's death on the cross. Even though God permits the devil to do his work in this world, God is still in control. And Jesus has complete power over Satan. He defeated Satan when he died and rose again. One day, Satan will be bound forever, never again to do his evil work. So here are some truths that I think we can understand. Here's the first one. Salvation has come. Verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across heaven, It has come at last, salvation. Okay, we have a date with death, every one of us, and although we still have a date with death, death means something completely different because salvation has come. Colossians 2 says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Now, if you were to watch that, if you were there that day, if you were with the disciples, you would have thought as Jesus was nailed to the cross, there's no way that's victory. And yet it was. Every one of us were dead because of our sins, but through Christ we are made alive. He canceled our sins and paid the price by being nailed to the cross. The second thing we can learn here is Jesus overcame death and his power has come. John 16 says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I didn't or I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of its, the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will, become, will come because the ruler of this world 
has already been judged. See, when, when Jesus comes and when Jesus came, he overcame death and his power comes. And this passage in Revelation teaches us that his power has come. They were celebrating it because Jesus' power had come. Hebrews 2 says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. Only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power over death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. When we walk this life, when we wander through and we listen to conversations, there's often a, a, a situation where people will mention there is a fear of death, there is a concern. Look, if it wasn't for Jesus, when we die, we would just go in the ground, be eaten by worms and maggots, and that would be all there is. But the reality is, is that Jesus has paid the price and he defeated death. Death no longer has a hold on any one of us. Even though we are appointed to die, we will not stay there. That will not be the end. We need to remember that and understand it. And the only way that's possible is because of the third thought, which is Satan has been defeated. He had the power over death. That's what Colossians or Hebrews tells us. Hebrews tells us that he had the power of death. He doesn't have it anymore because Jesus defeated him. Because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, I want you to understand this, it didn't even take God himself to throw Satan out of heaven, to cast him down to earth. In fact, it takes Michael and some angels to do it. Now understand that the only way they could do it, they didn't do it on their own, but the only way they could do it is that they are operating under the authority of the one who gave them the power. They're operating under the power of God himself. They're operating under the authority of God himself. They're operating under the power of the source. The source is God, and the source is found through Christ. We also see that when Jesus walked this planet, he had power over Satan. Jesus, after eating the Last Supper with his disciples before he went to the garden to pray, said to the disciples these words in John 14, 30. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Now, when you read that, you begin to understand Jesus, who knows what he's come to do. He knows why he's come to the planet. He knows he's about to face death. The only option he has is death on the cross. He understands that. But he also knows that Satan has no power over him. Satan has no ability to put him there. The only way Jesus ends up on a cross is that he willingly allows it to happen. See, it wasn't that the, the world had power over him. It's not that Satan had power over him. It's that Jesus willingly lays his life down because it's the only hope we have. So on one occasion, Jesus sends out 72 people, right? He sends out 72 disciples. They're, they're going ahead, kind of a reconnaissance mission. They're going to go ahead and visit the towns that, that uh, Jesus is planning to go to. And we read this about it, Luke 10. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. I mean, that's a pretty cool statement, right? I mean, think about that. When you, if, if you were traveling or even in this country, like if you, if you went and you prayed for somebody and they experienced healing, you'd be like, that's pretty cool. 
If you're in another country or you've been around something where somebody's been demon-possessed or whatever, and you've seen this experience and you've watched people experience freedom from God just in a moment because he touched them, and, and you were part of that process of casting a demon out of somebody, you would come back to Jesus and go, that was pretty cool. That's what his disciples do. His disciples realize that they have power because they've gotten it from him. But Jesus says in verse 18, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Now, like, like, okay, we like the cool factor, right? We, we like those things. We, I mean, I would be amazing. But it happened. And Jesus says, yes, I've given you power of all those things. But don't rejoice in that. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Look, Jesus is saying, he has power over all those things. He has power over the enemy. He has power over everything in this world, including Satan and all of the evil schemes of this world. We have authority over them as well because of Christ. But don't rejoice over that because if you had all authority over all those things, but your names are written in heaven, there's not a whole lot to rejoice about. In fact, there's nothing to rejoice about. There's a temporary deal. You, you could have some celebration like, oh, isn't it cool? Look what I did. But when you die, your name's not registered in heaven. That's a bad thing. There will come a time when Satan will finally and permanently be defeated. Revelation 20, verse 10. Says then the devil who deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay, so this is where it gets really practical. Okay, we, we understand all those things. But the fourth point is we will overcome sin and temptation. Jack Hayford writes this about that passage of scripture. The primary weapon of the people of God against Satan is the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Christ, the Lamb, causes the people of God to prevail because it answers all of the enemy's accusations. Satan controls and defeats humankind through guilt and accusation. He is a blackmailer. However, the saints know that the blood has satisfied all the charges against them, joined them to God, and provided them with every necessary provision to defeat Satan. The blood has established an unassailable bond with a sovereign God that presents, prevents Satan from separating the embattled Christian from God's eternal and complete resources. God has declared us righteous and victorious through the blood of Christ. Look, the tactics and devices that Satan uses today in this world are not much different from the first century. He still uses things like sexual temptation, political oppression, unforgiveness, pride. He uses poverty. He uses all kinds of things. He uses riches. 
to keep people from Christ. But as followers of Jesus, we have power to live differently than those who are controlled by the sinful nature. John wrote this in, in 1 John 2. I am writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. Look, we're going to see persecution. We're going to see difficulty around the world. We're going to experience tough times in our lives. Look, followers of Jesus are martyred for their faith as in Egypt even the last few weeks. Right, Christians on a bus headed to a monastery to pray, of all things, are brutally gunned down because there's followers of Jesus. We aren't guaranteed easy, but we are guaranteed victory. The hope for the follower of Jesus is this world is not the end. We have a promised eternity to look forward to. The encouragement of Hebrews is important here. Hebrews 12 says, therefore, and you're familiar with this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. The NIV, ESV, and many other versions read verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Look, whether it's your sin or the sin of this world... You're, you're surrounded by it, and you're, you're going to have to, on some level, overcome it. On some level, Satan is still ruling this world, but we are not subject to his rule. We have the authority of the Holy Spirit, the power of God at work in our lives to enable us to live our lives for Jesus until the end. We are not just to survive until we die. We are to live until we die. We're not just supposed to just get by until we die. We're supposed to thrive until we die. This world needs to see the impact of people who live like followers of Jesus under the power and authority of the source. Hebrews tells us to throw off everything that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Look, if you've walked in here this morning and if you're struggling with some area of your life, you need the power of Jesus to set you free. If you're struggling with an addiction, you need the power of Jesus to bring freedom. If you're struggling with a sin you just can't seem to get past, you need the power of Jesus to bring freedom. That's what he's here for. It's what he came to do. You may have guilt that's held you captive for years. You need the power of Jesus to set you free. That is who Jesus is. Jesus came to bring freedom for the captive. When you think about that, once Jesus has done something in our lives, and some of you, as you hear those words, you're thinking of the things that Jesus has done. You, you, I don't know what your story is, 
But some of you are sitting in this room this morning. You need to experience the power of Christ to bring freedom. You're struggling with something you cannot get beyond. And Jesus is here this morning to set you free. He's here to bring. Look, we've lived too long in a place where we're not living in the authority that God has given us. We're not living attached to the source of our power and our strength. We need his freedom. Once Jesus has done something in your life, never forget it. And talk about it often. Remind yourself regularly of what he's done in you. Tell yourself over and over. I know, no, I know you're not supposed to talk to yourself, but you need to talk to yourself. You need to remind yourself of what Jesus has done because there's something powerful about your testimony. You need not to just tell yourself. You need to tell other people. You need to talk about what he has changed in your life. The people of Revelation 12 overcame him, the devil, and his schemes by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. We will do the same. The only way we will thrive till the end, the only way we'll live the life that Jesus wants us to live till the end, is if we'll overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So the question is, what is your testimony. What has he done in you? What has he changed in your life? What is it that Jesus is do- Look, look, look. If you've not had some moments recently where you sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life, you need it closer to the to Jesus. You need to get closer to him. Look, because the closer you are, the longer you walk. You think, you think the longer you walk with Jesus, Pastor Bo, right? The longer you walk with Jesus, the more you be like, I'm doing good. It's not the way it works, is it? It's the more you realize that I still have a lot more to measure up to. That you get closer and you're getting closer you're going, I see that all too well. Like if you get your vision fixed, right, you see better. And when you see it close to Jesus, you see him better. And the more you look at him, the closer you are, the more you realize, I've got a long way to go to get like him. And you need to be experiencing that over time. The Lord disciplines those whom he loves. He, he was constantly trying to form us into what he wants us to be. What is your testimony? Th- this was John's testimony when he wrote to the, to the people in the first century. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. The one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. We proclaim to you that what we have ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father, with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things to you so that you may fully share our joy. Look, there ought to be moments where you're talking to somebody and you're talking about the change that Jesus has made in you and you're so pumped up about it. Look, we didn't see him. We didn't touch him. John saw him and touched him. He said, I touched Jesus. I saw him. I heard him speaking to me. You know what? We're not going to have that experience. 
But we've had an experience. We've experienced the power of God in our lives. We've had the experience where Jesus has touched our lives, where he has changed us, and it ought to be something that is constantly flowing out of us. We ought to be looking for, for opportunities to talk about, to infuse into conversations, the testimony that Jesus has given us all the time. The testimony of what he has done is the thing that's going to keep us on track. Each of us has a testimony. It is what God has done and is doing in our lives. There is no disputing it. People may argue with, you're crazy for following this man named Jesus. He's dead and gone and was 2,000 years ago. Why would you do that? Because he changed my life. Because he made me different. That's why I'm following Jesus, because he is God. He said he, he is who he said he was. He is the God who took a death on a cross and rose again for my sin and my salvation. That's who he is. We need to know what Jesus has done for us and remind ourselves often of what he did. We must think about it. In fact, daily we should be thinking about and being thankful for what Jesus has done for us. For you remember that Jesus shed his blood for us and we remember the testimony we have because of it. We will live differently, and we will overcome the devil and his devices. We don't have to live like everyone else in this world. We can live like children of the king and overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This morning, if you're here and you're struggling with an area in your life that is controlling you, today may be your day for freedom to come. This morning as we close, if you're not, if you just need healing, you need anything else, there's going to be people at the front, but, but if you need freedom today, I don't know what you're struggling, no one's going to ask you, you're going to, if you come forward and you pray with one of the people at the front and one of the prayer teams, they'll ask what can we pray for you for, and you can tell them, and there's power in that, by the way, okay? Confess your sins one to another, you may be healed. There's power in it. So just, they're not going to tell anybody. It won't be posted on Facebook when you walk out of here. It's between you and them and God. But I'm just telling you, there's freedom. And this morning as we sing a song, we take a couple moments. Don't rush out. Because this might be your day of freedom. Because we're going to overcome the work of the enemy, the power of the blood, and the word of our testimony. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Lord, I'm asking right here in these moments, God, I'm praying, you will bring freedom. Freedom to the captive. You will set people free today. Lord, I pray that you would have your way. Lord, be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name.